0: Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 125. Yes, that's right. I said 125. That is crazy to me. That We've already went through and recorded 125 of these episodes, and it's all because of you, you the listener, I mean, you that are listening right now, because when I started this, I had no idea where it was going to go. I just wanted to talk about the stuff because I'm passionate about it, and I wanted to document my journey and then be able to connect with other like-minded people, sellers, all of that stuff. You guys probably already know the story, but what I want to do today Because it is kind of a special episode, 125. That's pretty good. I wanted to actually go through my entire journey of being an entrepreneur. Now, if you guys are not into that, totally cool. You don't have to listen to this episode, but a lot of you do. And I wanted to share because I do believe that success leaves clues. And I've been following other people that have been successful, and I do believe that you are the average of the five people that you hang around. I do definitely believe that in your income, the way that you you know are with your family, I mean, just your morals, all of that stuff definitely is related to the people that you hang around with. So if you want to hear my entire story, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to walk through and kind of just doing this freely. Like I don't have anything in front of me, no plan. I'm just going to discuss it as if we were sitting down at a coffee shop and you asked me, how did I get into being? an entrepreneur, and what led me to where I am today, right? I think that's important, and the reason why I got this idea is I was recently on a podcast called How Did You Get Into That by Grant Baldwin, who's a good friend of mine, and uh, he uh, he had me on, and as we were doing that interview, I started coming up with things that I forgot that it even happened. I'm like, oh, wow, that happened. That must have opened up that door, and oh, that happened, and then that opened up that door. So, I wanted to share this because I think it's it's really valuable to understand that, you know, people that want to be successful, they don't just wake up one night or one day one night, one day and say, "Oh wow, look at I want to be successful. I'm going to try this one thing and boom, it works." It doesn't work like that. It takes usually years uh, to be able to go through and figure out what you're going to do. And, uh, and if it's, you know, if what you're going to do is even working and if it isn't working, then you pivot and you move to the next thing. And maybe then something starts to work and then you, you get a door that opens and you get a phone call and then you pivot to another direction and all this stuff. So That's what I want to do here. I want to share with you uh, what I have done in the past all the way from when I was like 20 years old starting in my father's construction business and how I learned from that experience but then moved and pivoted into the next part of my entrepreneurial journey. Let me just say too, some of you don't know this, but I've never went to college, okay? So for those of you that are listening that have either dropped out of college or never went to college or maybe went to college and you're not interested in what you went there for... I'm perfect, you know, perfect example of you do not have to have that in order to be successful. And, you know, I don't look at myself as being successful to the point where, you know what, you're this multimillionaire. That's not what I'm after. That's not my why. I've talked about that time and time again. That is not my why. My why was always, and will still continue to be this way, is to be able to live comfortably and then to be able to provide for my family the things that I want to be able to do with them, I want to be able to have the time with them, the freedom to be able to make my own schedule, to be able to work around certain things, all of that stuff is really what I want from being an entrepreneur and owning my own businesses, and I say businesses because it really does come down to owning businesses, not just a business. Now you start with a business, but then you can branch and add other streams to that to that uh, business uh, umbrella or portfolio, however you want to look at it. I mean, a, a small little business on the side could be you know splitting wood on the weekends and selling it, you know, at a profit. Like that could be a side you know revenue stream. I've done that, by the way. That's why I know. Um, and I was doing that when I was like 17 years old. So I was splitting wood on the, you know, on, a, on the weekend, and then I would sell it during the week, um, you know, to people that either wanted camp wood or wanted, you know, wood for their fireplace. Uh, so I've done that, right? But I'm just saying, it, you know, a revenue stream doesn't necessarily mean it has to be online. It doesn't have to be e-commerce. It just needs to be another stream of revenue that's going to be coming into your, you know, into your world, so you can help, you know, pay your bills, right, and to help live the lifestyle that you want to live. Okay, so. Enough with that. Like I said, this is not going to be structured in any way other than I'm going to be taking you back in time uh, because that's what I did on Grant's show. And it really made me start to reflect and start to say, wow, you know, there's, there's a lot of little clues here. And if you took and you kind of did an overview or, you know, like a bird's eye view and kind of like you you zoomed out, you know, ten thousand feet, and looked down at the path that I went down. It's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting how things just started to happen because I did certain things. All right, so and and, and even the way how I got led into the e commerce or how I got led into the online space or any of that stuff. It's really interesting, I think, to look back and see how those things have. Have happened and why they've happened, and and let me just say too, you know, when I, you know, I mean, when I first started myself in my own career, you know, as far as being a, not even a business owner, but just being someone that was working, making money, I had no idea that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I just set out that I wanted to make money. I wanted to be able to provide. But then, as soon as I got going, I started thinking to myself, "There's got to be an easier way." Right, and and that's always been been my my thing, and I don't mean easier way that less work. I mean an easier way that doesn't require me to have to be in the business, uh, you know, as much. Okay, so let's go ahead and and kind of go back in time, all right? We're going to go into the little, little, little TAS time machine, but then we're even going to go further. We're going to go into the Scott time machine. We're going to take it back, okay? And I'm going to be going off a little bit of path. I'll be going off uh, into certain areas that I can kind of elaborate on um, just so you kind of get the whole gist of the story, all right? And like I said, for starters, when I graduated high school, I had no vision. I had no vision of what I was going to do for a career other than I was currently working at a a, kind of like a restaurant. It wasn't a full restaurant. It was kind of like a almost like a food court in a sense um, for a strip mall. But the mall was outside. It was an outdoor mall, and I worked in the food area of that. I actually opened the business with um, the owner of that. I kind of came in as a as a high school helper. Um, So I would come in and I would work after school. Okay, so I was working in high school. I was working all the way since I was like 14 years old. So I was in the business kind of like working like all kind of kids do in high school to make a few extra bucks, you know, making five bucks an hour or whatever. Um, so I, I was no stranger to work or hard work, and I was always trying to do better at my job to get recognized, um, not necessarily just for the benefits of it, just that's the way I was brought up. I was always brought up to just to work hard and and try to be the best at what you do, okay? Let me also say that when I was growing up, my father worked three jobs, Okay. My mother was a stay at home mom. So, you know, she didn't, you know, bring in any money really. Uh, so it was my father who was supporting us. He was working three jobs to do it and he was working his butt off, you know, so I respect him 100% for doing that. And he taught me a lot of lessons about hard work. So, Dad, if you're listening, thank you for that lesson. Um, It stayed with me, and here I am, 43 years old at the time of this recording, so really, you know, your upbringing does have a lot to do with your success. I do believe that, okay? so. Moving on now. So I get through high school. Now, my father, on the other hand, too, he comes from a farming family, right? Nine kids, uh, all farmers. You know, he was the last one to leave the farm. Right. So their father wasn't my grandfather was not pushing college. So then my father wasn't pushing me into college. He didn't say, Scott, let's sit down, and have a talk. Let's talk about college. What do you want to do for a career? Da, da, da. No, it was you're going to graduate high school and you're going to get a job. That's basically it. Okay. And, and again, if my dad is listening, you know, no fault of yours, dad, that's what you knew. Right. But I wasn't pushed into any direction. I wasn't pushed in to say, Hey, we've got, you know, four years of college saved up in the bank. We're going to go ahead and send you to college, or we're going to help you with tuition. And we're going to help you with these loans or whatever. Right. It just was not on the table for me. Okay. So I went the, the very first chance that I got um, as far as like being in the real business world, not just flipping hamburgers, I'm doing air quotes too, by the way, is my boss at the restaurant, her husband, it was a woman boss, by the way, her, um, she was awesome too, by the way, she um, she said that her husband worked at a printing press and that they did, uh, you know, kind of like internships or also like, you know, you, you could become an, an apprentice. So I said, that sounds really good. What is it? you know, and she's like, well, they'll pay for all your schooling and all of this stuff. And the schooling was kind of in-house and the name of the company was quad graphics and they print uh, and they still do. They print for like, uh, you know, sports illustrated golf digest, all the, all of the bigger, major, uh, you know magazines. Okay. So I was like, yeah, I mean, so what are we looking at? Like what, what happens here? And she's like, well, you kind of work up the ranks and you know, they'll put you through like their own internal schooling. By the time you get to be a first pressman, you can make as much as like 60 grand a year. Now this was back in, you know, like, what is it? Like 1990 it was 1991 something like that so back then 60 grand a year that was a lot of money right it still is a lot of money but it was it was a really it's like it was like really really good uh you know living that you could see yourself supporting a family and doing some really cool things right so i was excited about that well i soon went into that got got hired and everything went through all of the testing got in and i was like this is what i'm going to do i'm going to do this for the next 10 years i'm going to build myself up to be a first pressman i'm going to go ahead and make $6000 a year and long story short i lasted about 9 months because there were so many people in front of me to get through all of the different ranks, to get to a first pressman. It was going to take me at least five to six years to get out of the first two positions, which were really like just grunt work laborers. Like 12-hour shifts, standing in in not a cubicle, but it was like one. I was standing uh, in like this... 10 by 10 area, just taking books off of the press, putting them on a a pallet and then just wheeling them off, doing that for 12 hours. It was just crazy. I didn't like being inside. Uh, It just really just made me feel confined. Okay, moving on. I left that, went back to flipping hamburgers for a little while. Okay, 18, 19 years old. Then I had a girlfriend at the time her mother worked at the local cable company said, hey, they need installers I said, okay cool let's try that out so I went in and I was an installer for uh, cable It was cable vision at the time. I was an installer so I installed cable um, there learned a lot about dealing with people learned a lot about you know uh, just you know the business itself and I at the time I was really in kind of interested in that. I was like, oh this is cool it's like you're like an electric guy right you're like the guy that works on the power lines and stuff The one problem is, at the time, and I don't know about now, but the cable guys didn't get paid so good. All right. I mean, the NIMO guys, I say NIMO, that was our our division, just the electric company, they were getting paid like to be a lineman, they were getting paid like back then, even like 20 bucks an hour, right? We were getting paid like seven dollars and fifty cents, right? To climb poles. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll try this out. I'll try to get to the top position here. The top position there was paying like 1350 an hour at the time or something. Right. But it was something for me to look for, you know, look forward to, or at least I thought. And then I'm like, and you know what? I loved being outside. I loved it. They gave me my work orders. I went off. I did the work. It was awesome. Okay, cool. So that was great. So I, I, I did that for about a year and a half and I really loved it. The thing that held me back was I didn't have any growth. I didn't have any growth. And the one thing also I should point out, the one thing that I didn't really like about it was I did all the hard work, right? I got recognized. Hey, you're doing a great job. And then the guy that wasn't doing so good, he got the same kind of recognition. Like, oh, you're doing a good job. But they didn't really see that I was doing a better job. And because of that, our raise reflected on it. So he got a, a 50 cent raise. I got a 50 cent raise. You know, it, there was there was no way I could even do better. I was kind of strapped at what I could do. All right. So that's enough on that story. Left there, I got an offer to work for my father's company, who at the time was only two guys, himself and his partner. And this is going back again, like this is 1994, 1995. And from there, I said, yeah, I'll come on board. I'm making this. He's going to pay me the same or a little bit more than I was making at the cable company. And now I was going to be learning a trade. I was going to learn, and just to let you know, his construction company at the time was doing like windows, doors, siding, some roofing, um, a little bit of remodeling, that type of stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can learn this trade and then I'll always have this trade, right? It's great. I'll, I'll help him build this, his company. And then who knows, maybe one day I'll be a foreman wow, right? So long story short, I did that for almost 10 years and uh, it was really good. I helped him build that company. I say help because I was a very vital, a very huge part in, in building that business where we built it up to where we had oh gosh, we had probably had about 15 to 17 at our peak, uh, employees. And then, um, I was running like three or four crews, uh, construction crews. So I was that foreman that I wanted to be. And I think at the time that I left, I was probably making about 16, maybe $17 an hour. And then I would work a lot of overtime. So I would be working like an extra, you know, 15 hours a week. So I'd get, you know, time and a half. So I was making some pretty good money problem. One problem. I was working like every single hour I could, right? I was working every single bit that I could. And if I if I wasn't working overtime, I was doing side jobs. I was out putting a deck on for someone and making an extra 1500 or $2,000 on a weekend, right? So I was always constantly, you know, trying to make more money so I could do more things because I felt strapped. I felt like I, I could only do what I could do. I should back up again. This is what I did with Grant too. I should back up again. My wife and I got married when I first started working for my father. So I was 21 when I started, uh, or when I got married. We met when I was like, just turning 20, I think it was. Um, so, you know, we, you know, basically started with, uh, with nothing. Now she had a pretty good job. She was working for that electric company. I put the air quotes up. She was working for the electric company and she was making 40 grand a year back then. Um, just doing like customer service type stuff. Well, we decided to have her quit her job because we wanted her to be able to stay home with our, our newborn baby who was Alexis, who now is 20. Um, So we made that decision. We took a $40,000 a year cut because it was important for us to have her raise our kids, you know, our family that we were going to have. So I had to take all of this weight now and put it on myself and start earning this income, right? So I did that and I busted my tail. Little side note, I also decided to build a house for ourselves on a piece of property that our parents left for us, a two-acre piece of land. I built that on the side when I was working full-time in my overtime and at nights. I built a house in 11 months, okay? So it was just something I wanted to do. I did it. I was happy I did it, but it was a lot of work. I look back at it and I said, I don't know how the heck I did it, but I did it, right? Because I'm a hard worker. And again, I want to kind of, kind of intervene here a little bit or interject. Hard work, hustle is going to be your number one asset, no one can give you that other than yourself, right, so if you want to shine, whether it's at your job now or whether it's at whatever you're working on, your side business, your hustle, whatever you're doing, hard work will pay you over and over again, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, like me going back to the cable thing, I'm sitting there busting my butt, I'm doing extra jobs for these guys, this other guy is just kind of slowly doing his work, getting paid the same, I'm doing a little extra because that's just the way I work, right, and I got a 50-cent raise, he got a 50-cent raise. That's that's discouraging, right? But I still did it, okay, because it's my makeup. But then I moved. I went over and started working for my father, and then for my father, and then the next part of my story, okay? So now as I'm working for my father, he's got a partner. We're building this business. They're doing over a million or $2 million a year in revenue in this small business that we started with nothing pretty much, and doing really well. Well, there's a problem there, and this is where I learned this lesson. Don't have a partner. Not unless you have paperwork written up And as long as you know that you're not going to have any problems down the road, and I don't know how you can know that, but if you have a partner and you start bringing family members into the business, there's going to be problems. I'll tell you that right now. So whether you're starting an Amazon business, an e-commerce business, an online business, whatever you're starting, you want to bring a partner in, be careful, okay? Because here's what's happening, or here's what happened, not happening, this is what happened. Um, You know, there was always conflict. You know, like, I'll just give you an example. I was there for like six years. And then they brought in, or the partner brought in one of their daughters because she needed a job, right? So they put her at the desk and she's in there answering some calls, playing some, uh, you know, games on the computer and stuff. And, you know, and I would see this stuff. I'm out busting my butt, sweating, working in the cold, the heat, everything, right? And I'm making at the time probably like 14 bucks an hour, right? I found out that they hired her and they paid her 14 bucks an hour. Man, is that a blow or what? Right? Just because she's family, we're going to bring her in, pay $14 an hour. Scott's out here. He's been working seven years. He's built himself up to the $14 an hour. Boom, all of a sudden, they get paid the same because they're family. Screw that. Right? So I, I had enough of that. So, I come home one day, and I said to my wife, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm busting my butt for this company. I'm maxed out what they're going to be able to pay me unless I can bring them in another $500,000 in sales. It's no fault of my father's. My father's hands were strapped. He knew about the position that I was in, and he actually wanted me to leave. He's like, go out on your own. Do, do whatever you got to do. He just didn't want me feeling confined, all right? So... I went ahead and I started talking to my wife. I'm like, what? and I can remember myself sitting in our dining room chair, sitting there, with kind of like my hands on my knees. I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just tired. I mean, my, I, in my my work clothes. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta paint a picture here. You know, I was in you know some clothes that was dirty, right? I'm working, right? I'm half untucked, and I'm just, I'm just. It's a hot day, and I'll never forget it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, I don't know. There's got to be a better way. I'd rather be a groundskeeper for like an apartment complex, mowing lawns and painting and doing stuff like that and making even $2 less an hour. I'd rather do that because it's going to be less stress and I'm going to be able to then do my own side stuff, make more money that way. And she's like, listen, you've worked with your hands for how long? Why don't you use your brain? Why don't you use your knowledge? And I'm like, but I, I, what do I know? I'm just a guy that knows how to, you know, build houses or do additions or, you know, do all of this, this, uh, you know, manual labor stuff. Like I don't have a college degree. And she's like, but there's gotta be something. So we kind of sat on that for a little while and I was started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm good at this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, she came to me one day, she goes, you know, Scott, I've always loved photography. You know that I've loved photography and my, uh, you know, my friends, you know, our family always was telling her how great her photography was, even just with a little point and shoot, like even disposable camera. Like she just had really good composition, yeah, composition skills, right? She could set up a shot. And I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, that's a good idea. But then we kind of sat on that for a little bit. And then she took our kids to a local photographer, okay? And that photographer was doing exactly what she wanted to do. She was working out of her garage. She would, you know, do Christmas pictures. She would do, you know, senior pictures. She would do all of that stuff. And, um, and she had a good little business going. So, you know, she said to me, she goes, we, you know, I took her there. I could do better. Like she's only doing, you know, like, you know, this, and I could do that. And, you know, her customers, you know, skills aren't as good. And I think that I, I'm more creative as far as like, you know, props and, you know, like setting up different shots and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, well, what do we got to lose? Let's do it. And I, so all of a sudden we're sitting here and we're thinking to ourselves, "Okay, do it, but we don't know anything about photography." I mean, legitimately like photography, right? We don't know anything about equipment and all that stuff. I mean, I could probably learn some stuff, but you know, I probably got to go to a course or a college or something. Well, they didn't have any courses out there on that unless you went to a college course, which college courses didn't really teach you how to start a business. So we just dove in. And back then, it was film and it was reading books. I'd go to the the either the library or I'd go and I'd buy a book on you know lighting or I'd on camera or uh, on composition or any of that stuff. And we just really just immersed ourselves in it. Again, mind you, still working my full time job. Well, long story short, on that, my wife really just took this and ran with it, and she started calling her friends and saying, "Hey, let me take pictures of your kids. I just want to get some pictures out there. I want to practice. I want to start getting this thing going." And she did. And she started getting a small following. The phone started to ring and then she started charging like 50 bucks, you know, to come in and, you know, spend 30 minutes with, with your kids or whatever. So it got to the point where she started getting really busy. And, uh, we started saying to ourselves, we gotta be able to make a space in the basement. So I went ahead and I redid our basement. I was a you know, construction worker. I knew how to do this stuff, so I did my basement all over. I had a waiting room. I had an office, and I had a viewing room, and then I had uh, you know, the actual photography room, you know, the, the studio room, and so we did that, and again, we just pieced this together, and uh, within about, I'd say about 18 months, uh, my wife and I sat down. We had a heart-to-heart, and we're like, we got to do something here. Either I have to leave my job, me personally, or she's got to take less people now right? Because she was getting so busy. So we, we took the leap. I said, I'm going to give him my two weeks notice. And that was a really good day, but a really scary day because I knew I was going in there thinking to myself, what am I doing? Is this going to work? You know, I don't know anything about photography. Like I don't, I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I could do it. Right. I didn't think that I thought maybe we just got lucky. You know, even though it's been 18 months, we were coming, we were approaching the Christmas season. So, when you approach the Christmas season in photography, that's your busiest season. It's kind of like the fourth quarter, that's when everybody gets their pictures taken. So, we knew we had a bunch of appointments already lined up. And again, remind you of this I wasn't the one doing the photography, my wife was. I was at that point just doing like, you know, getting the pictures from the lab or doing the marketing. At that time, I had no idea about marketing either, really. I mean, I knew a little bit, um, but I didn't know what I know now. And, uh, and, you know, I just really kind of immersed myself in that. And, um, and again, like I said, we were still doing film. We didn't even have a digital camera. They weren't even really being used in the, in the professional realm. So we did that. I went ahead, gave my two weeks. My father's partner was like, oh, good, 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 you know, good for you. You know, good luck to you. You know, you'll, you'll be back. You'll be back. Well, let me just say I've never went back. Um, and it was a great feeling. My father afterwards, he knew it was coming, but afterwards he said, it's the best thing that you've ever done. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. I know you'll do great. And, uh, and that was a big day for me and it was really scary. And we had like literally probably only about $5,000 in the bank and savings that we could draw off of after my paycheck stopped. So we were depending on that money coming in and it was a risk. It was a chance. I did know in the back of my mind, learning a trade, that I could go out and I could do remodels, right? I could do a kitchen over. I could do a deck. I could do stuff. I knew I could probably get work. And I always knew I had that to back or, you know, to, to kind of give me a little backup plan. But let me just say again, I never had to do that. I never did a side job since I left that construction job. I even hate doing stuff on my own house now. I actually had an addition built on my new house here. I didn't even touch it, right? So, I mean, it's funny to look back and to say, wow, right? But a lot of this stuff comes back to when I started working my regular job, whether it was at, you know, the quad graphics thing where I was working in like a confined area and I didn't like that atmosphere. It it made me realize what I wanted to do. I wanted to be more self, you know, kind of on my on my own. I went in, did the cable thing, and that was better. But then there I went into my father's business, which was better and again learned to trade. And then from there, went into the photography thing just because I got to the point where I didn't want to do it any longer. Sometimes it takes getting to that place where you don't want to do it any longer to where you get serious about it, right? I mean, when I was working my full-time job and doing the photography thing with my wife, you know, I'm working a full-time job trying to do less of the overtime and stuff if I could, but it's not always easy, especially when you're in a family business because they're going to depend on you more. Um, so, it was hard because we had to do stuff on weekends. We had to do, you know, later Saturday, Sunday, then we'd have to do evenings, uh, you know, all that stuff, but I did it right. We did it. We made it work. Um, and then because of that, it, it got us to the point where we were able to be our own bosses. And I'll never forget being home, the very first day that I didn't have to report to my father's business. And it felt so weird because I was normally getting up in the morning, getting my coffee out the door. I was at the shop at like seven o'clock, ready to go, had the crews going eight o'clock. They're out the door. I'm off to the first job site. So it was just weird for me to not be in that rhythm. And it felt good, but it felt scary. And it felt awkward. It felt different, but I soonly adapted. tapped I soonly adapt to it and it was great because now we were able to then go to my daughter and at the time I had a son so our son was born so I was able to spend more time with him as he was getting older um, you know through those through those little small stages of their lives that we normally miss because you know I was working and all that stuff so it, it really made me have that and I realized that there's no way I'll ever work for anyone ever again it was that moment that I thought that so again sometimes it's, it's those things that make us trigger what it's going to take for us to push through those obstacles and those hurdles. And it's fear, right? I want to highlight that. It's fear. And and if you don't have fear, it probably means you're not pushing yourself outside that comfort zone, which you should be doing. All right? So moving on here, okay? Now, We were here. We got a pretty good business going, actually a really good business going. We did this now for, well, the first five years we were growing it. We got it to the point now where we were starting to take some of the really high level, expensive photography studio in our area. They were charging about a thousand to two thousand dollars for a portrait session, um, you know, for children's photography. That's what we were specializing in. And we were able to come in there and kind of get the middle of the road. And we had people coming from them saying, man, you guys are so much better at half the price. You guys are great. And we built up our following by everything that I even live by today is just being helpful, being very, um, you know, considerate customer service. I mean, we would have parents come in and their kids are like, you're never going to get them to smile. We'd, we'd have them leave smiling because we did it really good together. I was really good with the kids. I was kind of like the, the goofy guy in the background, making, making the goofy noises, the goofy faces to try to make them feel as though they weren't there to just get pictures taken. Right. So I would write down my W two, uh, make goofy faces. You know, I'm just kidding, but you get what I'm saying. That was kind of like my job. One other little uh, caveat here is I also said before we started our photography business that I would never own a computer. Yeah, that's right. I said I would never own a computer because I seen that my father was on it. You know, he he was into computers when they first came out and he was on that thing. Just he, he had a, a little business on the side that he was using it with. He would make like, you know, like he print labels out and, you know, just kind of doing different things. He would put together a little uh, website back then in the in the 90s, which was kind of really clunky. And he was spending hours on I think I'm like, I don't know how you can sit there and spend that much time. He's like, well, I'm doing it for a business. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Whatever. Whatever. Now I look back and I'm like, that's just so funny that I made that statement because then as we got into photography, we needed, you know, editing software because then digital started to become on the scene. So I, you know, got Photoshop, started learning that and, you know, kind of immersed myself in Photoshop, um, really got good at it, you know, and all of that stuff. So it's just funny how things happen, and I will say this: never say never, because you don't know. My father also told me that every ten years your mind changes, and I believe him now, because I never thought I would own a minivan. I owned a minivan uh, when I was, you know, in my early twenties. I'm like, I'd never own a minivan. That those are for soccer moms or whatever. Well, me and my wife walked out of the, the uh, car lot one time with a with a minivan. We we had it. We loved it. We had it for like seven years. So um, it's just funny how your mind does change. Um, but Moving on, so now we're sitting here. We've got a pretty successful local photography business. People all know us in the area. They come to us. Our phone is ringing off the hook. We're getting booked. We had waiting lists, everything, sick figure business, doing amazing. Well, Scott, why wouldn't you just keep going with that? Well, we had our third child, and we soon found that we were starting to work when we didn't want to work. We started working evenings. We started working uh, weekends. We started to have to, you know, accommodate people's schedules rather than ours. So we're like, this has got to change. We can't keep, in order for us to grow, it's just the two of us. We have to either hire more photographers, which then it's going to lose that personal touch or got to raise our prices. Then we're going to scale down a little bit, which is fine. Um, Or we just have to do away with some of those spots, lose some business, but then have another revenue stream. So what are we going to do? So Scott scratches his head and says, hmm, I've been hearing people selling stuff online. So I started to think to myself, okay, how could we start selling things online? So before I even thought about photography stuff online, my wife and I started hearing about this thing called eBay. eBay you guys may have heard of it, right? So we started thinking about eBay and starting to seeing that people were selling like used stuff. And we started hearing people selling stuff from garage sales, this, that, and the other thing. And we're like, eh, I don't know. So my wife was in the Christmas tree shop. There's a shop called the Christmas tree shop. I don't know if you have one around your area, but it's called the Christmas tree shop. And it's, it's a, it's a shop that has a little bit of everything there. And you can find stuff that, you know, it comes in seasonally and then it goes out and it's usually reduced price stuff. And they've got just a lot of stuff. Well, she's seen these cedar bridges, these, Little four-foot cedar bridges uh, that would go over like a little garden, right? So they're they're cute, they're small, they're not that big, but people were buying them on eBay for like 140 bucks. And she's like, "It's the exact same bridge. It's identical. Like I think people are doing the same thing. They're buying them on you know a Christmas tree shop and then selling them." She's like, "Why don't we just buy three or four of them and see if they'll sell?" Said okay. So we went ahead and we put them up on eBay. Literally, just took a couple pictures, threw them up on eBay, and literally had bids going like instantly. And we'd sell them for 130 to 140 bucks. So we went back to Christmas tree shop, had a credit card, put $2,000 worth of bridges on our credit card. And our whole thought then was we were sending our kids to private school. We're like, if we can just make enough money to pay for the private school bill, that would be amazing. So we took the, the money from the sales from the Cedar Bridges on, on uh, eBay and we paid for our, our kids' tuition for a private school. All right, so that was our mission. But here's what happened. We soon realized that we could potentially make money selling stuff online wow this is amazing like literally i've heard people talk about how to make money online but really seriously like we could sell stuff online so i got to thinking maybe what we should do is sell some of our templates we were making digital templates for our clients maybe we should take those and put them into some type of package and put them on a cd and sell it so i went to work i put together some some stuff on a cd or a dvd and i think it was a cd at the time and I went ahead and I listed it on uh, eBay. I seen other people were, were selling similar things. I sold it for $19.99. Boom. I started selling those things. I'm like, really? Like, this is crazy. Like, now I don't have to go find the bridges. I don't have to go find more inventory. I can just go and sell my stuff that I'm already using in my business and then sell it. This is amazing. So we were, we were selling, gosh, we were probably doing 100 to 200 bucks a week, uh, which was extra. And that was pretty much cash because it was just a little bit of fees with eBay and stuff. We're selling for 20 bucks a pop, right? So we were making some pretty good money. And then got to thinking, because we, we would get questions from people, we got to thinking, maybe we should uh, start you know, offering more of these, or maybe even lessons on how to do photography. So we started to get questions from people asking about that. And then I started thinking to myself, maybe we could do something off of eBay. Not just eBay, maybe we'll do something off of eBay. And uh, I started hearing people selling information products. And I'm like, what? People are... Well, yeah, why not? Because YouTube was starting to become big. People were all really getting into that. But now if you could have something structured that you know could teach people how to do something. So I'm thinking to myself, if I could have had a, a DVD or a CD or anything or even a PDF or whatever to help me get started in our photography business when we first started, like there wasn't YouTube and stuff when we started that. Like we didn't have that, right? But if there was something that could have taken that process and really, you know, sped it up, I would have did it in a heartbeat right? So I'm like, we should do this. So I went on YouTube. I created a video that basically talked about my wife and myself, how we started a business, and then uh, asked people if they would be interested in learning more about that. I got about a 100 responses back. And then from there, I started building an email list. Okay. And when I started building this email list, because I was hearing about this stuff and I was following a few people online that were doing it. And they were all saying, you got to build an email list. You got to build an email list. And then you can take and you can launch a product to those people. And I'm like, really, seriously, I, I got to look into this. So I started doing a little bit more research, doing a little bit more research. And then uh, I started building that list. And that's the very first thing that I did. I built a list in the photography space. And I had about probably about 800 to a thousand people on that list. And that list I would just send out new, you know, videos or uh, you know, emails, teaching them what we had done through the process of how we started our own photography business. And we did that. I did that for probably about four months. And I just kept giving content, getting it, getting questions back from people, just emailing and building that and growing it. Like it started at hundred people. Then I went to 300 people and 500 people and so on. And that rate right there, um, allowed me to then ask them questions. What did they want to learn more about? You know, would they be interested in, in having a whole blueprint set up and all this? And a bunch of people said, yes, So, I went ahead and I did that. I created a course on how to start your own photography business. That was my very first uh, product for a digital product. And I went ahead and I announced to them that I was going to be launching it at a certain date. And I'll never forget this story um, or how this kind of went down. I had the date picked out of when we were going to do it, I had the time, everything, and I was going to do it myself. I had the website all built and everything. And I didn't realize until after that that day that I was going to go live that was the day that I take uh my kids to their bowling after school so after school they had a bowling program and I was the guy that was in there running that bowling program pretty good bowler by the way guys I just got to say my dad right now who's 72 um he's got a 202 average right now he's doing amazing so uh yeah it's pretty much in our in our uh, bloodline uh as bowlers so I, I like bowling I haven't bowled in years but um yeah I I do love bowling anyway So I was in that bowling um, little group for my kids. They're doing their little after-school bowling program, and I'm thinking to myself, that's the day that it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to be home. So I'm going to have to have uh, Lisa, my wife, I'm going to have to have her do it. Well, she's not going to want to do it. She's going to be all nervous about it. I said, well, here's what you got to do. I had her all set up. I said, all you got to do is at three o'clock, I want you to just change this link to this link and then send the email. And that's what she did. And literally, probably in about five to seven minutes, I got a phone call at like 307, and she's like, Scott, you'll never believe it. And I'm like, What? What's going on? And she's like, We've got about five thousand dollars in our PayPal account. I'm like, No, come on. And she's like, no, I'm not kidding you. She's like, You know, people are buying your course. And I'm like, Really? That's awesome. And she's like, Hold on a minute. She refreshed it. She's like, We're up to like seventy two hundred dollars now. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So long story short, that was our first real like information product teaching people how to do that so it was amazing right it was awesome and it opened my eyes to a whole nother world out there I'm like this is crazy so fast forward a little bit I took that whole idea and I'm like thinking to myself like if I did it once I should probably be able to do it again right so again we've got our photography business that's running we're doing that full-time then in the background, we're still selling some things on eBay. I'm doing some photography templates and stuff like that. And then I've got this new course going on that's uh, starting to sell that I'm getting interested in more because it's working and I'm you know literally able to teach you know hundreds of people and not have to literally be in the same room. So it was amazing. But then I was also thinking to myself, is this going to happen again or was this just a fluke? Right? That's what we would think, right? If you launch a product on Amazon, it takes off. You're thinking to yourself, was it a fluke or is it going to keep happening? So it wasn't a fluke because I did it again and I did it again, and I kept building that list, and I kept building that list, and then I soon found that people that were buying the course also wanted templates on on an ongoing basis. They wanted to learn how to do more digital uh, background removal and all that stuff, so that's where I came up with a club, and I have a club. I still have that club where I I put in uh, digital backgrounds and props and different video lessons and tutorials for Photoshop and all that stuff, so I took what was kind of happening through this this process and I created it into a membership area where now people get to come in as newbies or even experienced and they get to download templates, they get to use them, they get to see videos as far as how you're doing it. So again, I took the knowledge of myself learning the photography business, building that into a business, but then also taking that knowledge and bringing it out and then building another business in the photography space, teaching it, then branching off of that and then uh, taking some templates as a physical product selling them on eBay and so on you kind of get the gist here right so things if you look at that path right worked for my father in the construction business got frustrated left that business took a chance started our own photography business went from there started running out of time again because we were uh, getting so big in our area we could only handle so much started thinking about you know another revenue stream started selling on eBay from eBay started getting questions from uh, other photographers that were interested in this and then uh, kind of uh, built that email list and then from there went and gave those people what they wanted, then started adding more uh, digital uh, backgrounds and props and templates and all that stuff, and then built that into a little membership site that was recurring income every single month, but then again, still catering to getting new people that have never seen any of our our video tutorials or anything, and then bringing them back into, you know, our world of photography, and it's been amazing, right, and again, that's that journey, right, so as I'm doing all of these things, of course, you're always gotten these, you know, you always have these other little light bulb moments that are going off. You're like, oh, maybe I should do that or maybe I should do that because you're an entrepreneur. You're seeing all of these different things that could work, right? But that's where you have to say no to some and just focus on the ones that are showing signs of growth. Okay. So then come we come into the Amazon space, right? So why would I think about Amazon? Well, I'm starting to hear more about Amazon, right? I'm hearing about this retail arbitrage thing. You guys may have heard of it, right? So I'm starting to hear about this retail arb and I'm like, what is this, right? So it's where people were kind of doing what they were doing on eBay years ago, going to a garage sale or going and buying, you know, used books and then selling them on eBay, right? Well, it's the same thing, but you were taking that same process and bringing it where you're now selling it on Amazon. So I'm like, okay, this sounds good. This could be something I could even have my son who's 17 now, I could have him go to this store, find this stuff and then bring it back home and we'll upload it and do this. It'll be a nice little side gig for him. It'll be another revenue stream for me. Well, I went into the store just to test the whole theory out. I went into, you know, I think it was like Rite Aid or CVS and I went in there, I started going through that process and I'm like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, I'm like, nope, I quit. Way too much work because here's the problem. You got to go find the product Okay, and then from there you got to upload it or send it to Amazon FBA, and then from there, once that product sells, you got to go find more product. You don't have the same product. What really, um, what I really loved about you know the photography space is I was able to create something once and sell it forever, right? I could just make more CDs or DVDs, or you know I could uh, you know create something new and then have people see it, right? I wouldn't have to be a slave to finding the products, right? Then I started hearing about this private labeling thing. That piqued my interest because it's very, very similar to a digital product. It's probably the closest thing to a digital product because it's really hands off once you get it set up and running. Now, once you get through all of the initial upfront work, right, because, you know, you guys know there is work to getting your product found and then, you know, getting your supplier and, you know, all the things that go into the, the initial stages takes time. You know, there's no denying that. But I knew once I got that up and running, then it's gonna be just a matter of managing, you know, my Amazon pay per click which I could hire out if I wanted to. Uh, And then, you know, from there, just managing the inventory and then managing the product research, which again, in the future, you could hire that out. So a lot of that stuff, I mean, scale wise, you could scale this business really, really large without you having to be involved that much. But that's what really got me excited because using Amazon FBA, the fulfilled by Amazon, you're able to allow them to do all the heavy lifting. You're just going to send the product in and then they're going to take it from there, right? Any customer, you know, support issues, refunds, any of that stuff, they're going to take care of it. So, I mean, even if you want, even if you need this stuff labeled, they, they can do that, right? So, I mean, all of that stuff was done and that's really what excited me about the Amazon world that we're in right now, right? And now moving forward, you know, 12 months in, you know, I'm also seeing now more opportunities with either more products or another brand or selling this business business eventually or building out an authority website so this way here that website's going to start getting external traffic over to uh you know to my products on Amazon or if Amazon goes away god forbid then I'm still going to have a channel that's supported over here and then I can still sell that brand so there's so much that I'm excited about about this business model but I didn't I wouldn't have known this if I didn't just go out there and say you know what I'm going to I'm going to try this out and see what happens, but by me going through everything that I just did, right, you can see there's always been self-doubt. There's always been that little bit of nervousness. I mean, when I placed my first order, uh, you know, you guys heard the story, but when I placed my first order, it was $5,000 of inventory which my wife was the one that actually said, you know, cause I was going to order like only 500. She's like, just do a thousand. You're going to need them. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen. We're going to liquidate them. No big deal. And I'm like, okay. So she, you know, again, gave me that little bit of a nudge and it was great. And again, I go back to my wife. She's the one that kind of gave me the nudge all the way back when I was sitting in that dining room chair. And uh, I was thinking about what I could do. And I just felt like almost a failure in a sense that I didn't think that I could do anything that wasn't going to require me to be hands-on. She was the one that said, you can do something, you know, that you don't have have to be, you know, using your hands. You have to believe in yourself. And so again, I have to give credit to my wife here of 21 years. Uh, you know, she's really been a huge cheerleader of mine and I really do owe a lot to her. But it just shows you as you go through these different these different things, right? These different experiences. You can see that if I look back and I say, if I never would have left my father's company and started the photography business, would I ever be here talking to you today? I don't know. I don't think I would, to be honest with you, at least on this topic. I don't know. I might've gotten into the online space some other way, some other, you know, uh, you know, other reason. But right, right now I look back at that trail that led me to here, Right. Because I do believe in that. And you, if you guys could see me, I'm like doing this zigzag with my hand. Like if I led to the path uh, because I want you to visualize like it's a path that I just took you down from all of these little experiences that really brought me to where I am today. And I don't know where tomorrow is going to be. Right. I don't know necessarily. I have an idea. But I don't know. I mean, a phone could ring, the phone could ring tomorrow, or an email could come in tomorrow that could get me involved in something that I never thought I'd be involved in. Perfect example, you know, from me starting the podcast. Which again, you know, me starting the podcast has made it where now I've opened up doors for other opportunities, right? Now I'm teaching people my process through this. I never would have set out to start an Amazon business to then teach people how to start an Amazon business. I never would have did that, right? But starting the podcast, going out there helping people, getting people to want to follow my lead. Has brought people into a class that I teach now as well. I've had one-on-one coaching uh, clients that want to come on that I've turned down, but I have that if I need it, if I want it, right? So there's all of these different things that have come from me just starting the podcast, but they've come from all of those different experiences that I've done through all of these, you know, all of these uh, different things that I've done, Right. So I just really want to point that out that, you know, you have to a lot of times just trust in yourself. But sometimes you have to look back at what you've already done and that you've been successful on or, you know, that have led you to certain things that have felt like they've been successful at that time. There's if you go back in time a little bit, there's been things that you've done that you said, wow, if I didn't do that, that never would have happened. You know that that's happened. And if it has reflect on that try to dig down into yourself, into your past, and see what you've done that have left clues for you to see how you react, right? And how you kind of get to that place where, you know, you need to make that decision or you need to trust your gut or you know if you're feeling that thought again or that feeling, if you're feeling that thought, if your thought is making you feel something, right? You need to understand how to deal with that because you can really learn from that. And again, it's... It's that risk, right? It's that risk thing or that doubt thing. We all have it. I have it, right? And I'm going to still have it moving forward, right? I have, I have no idea, like I said, where this path is going to take me right now. I have an idea of where I want certain paths to go, but I'm just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. And then from there, we'll just see what happens. And then we'll just move and we'll pivot, and another door might open. And I might look at that and say, Oh, maybe. And oh, I shouldn't do that because it's going to take away from this. So, again, it's just opportunities are going to come to you by you doing things, taking action. That's what I always tell you guys, right? Take action and you'll get results. Whether it's the result that you want or not, you're going to get some type of result. All right. So, I hope that this hasn't bored you. I hope that this has helped you if you've listened this long just to hear the different. Uh, you know, the different things that have happened through me since I was 19 years old all the way up till now when I'm 43 and how I believe that that has left clues for me. And now I definitely listen to these, to these uh, signs or these, these signals. I listen to them differently than I would have when I was 19. So if I was to say to myself 20 years ago, right uh, you know, this is what you need to understand, Scott, you are going to feel fear and you're going to feel doubt and you're going to not trust in yourself sometimes, but you have to in order to move forward. And if you're not uncomfortable, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. That's what I would say to you. That's what I would say to myself uh, going back that you know back in time. So that's it, guys. That's pretty much going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this. I hope that you've gotten something out of it. Again, I wanted to do this for you to really pull back the curtain and let you know exactly the path that I've taken and how it's led me to where I am today. All right. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Once again, I want to remind you guys that I'm always here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome day and I'll see you in the next episode.